0: So, you have heard me say throughout this course, uh, uh, sorry, throughout this, this, this one hour that the Anapanasati prepares you for deeper levels of perception, right? So, we have, um, this teaching from, uh, the tradition of Vipassana, which, uh, is built on sati, right? Anapanasati. We begin with Anapanasati. Next, if you take the 10-day course, uh, which is available to anyone, uh, if you go to dhamma.org, d-h-a-m-m-a.org, they're available all over. Um I think they're primarily right now only running courses for vaccinated people so I think if you want to take the course you have to get the vaccine for now if not you have to wait until after we're in another stage of the human evolution um uh but uh, but it, it, they're all donation based so you go you don't pay anything you finish the course if you like the course and you have money to give then you donate if you finish the course and you really really like it you have nothing, you also don't have to give anything. And they say, if you finish the course and you hated it, then you don't, also don't have to give anything. Because you don't give to pay for yourself in the Vipassana courses. You give because you enjoyed it so much, you want to give that gift to someone else. So when you are there, because you don't pay, you're receiving the gift from the people who have come before you. So this is part of the vow of Vipassana. The reason that I bring that up is because, uh, Mary Helen, what you have begin to feel is what's called sensation. Sensation, bedana sensation. So now first we practice neutrality and awareness on the touch of the breath. Then we begin to become aware of sensations, sensations, sensations. And there are two types of sensations. There are sensations which are related to the superficial mind or the conscious mind. And there are sensations related to the subconscious mind. And these sensations are happening all the time. These feelings, what the Buddha called vedana, body sensations. And these sensations are occurring all the time. So the idea is that the conscious mind has some, some base level of awareness of what it's feeling, but the subconscious mind goes on feeling, feeling, feeling nonstop. Even when we're sleeping, the subconscious mind is feeling these vedanas. An example is like this. If um, you're sleeping, suddenly it becomes freezing. What happens? You, you, you go and you grab the cover and you put it on yourself. And you don't wake up unless it's really, really cold. You know? If it's really, really cold then you wake up and you have to take some action. Also, if it's very, very hot... Did anybody wake up very, very hot ever? You know, naked under no covers in the center of the bed, right? Did you have a conscious awareness of this? No, no. Also, you can play with people if they are, if they have done that. Then you put the cover back over them, and then they will sleeping remove the cover. You know, they are bigger. You know, you can annoy people. But the idea is is the idea is that the subconscious mind is constantly feeling the vedana, the body sensations. And the sensations occur at the level of the conscious mind. And if we have an itchy sensation, for example, that comes up in an area we're supposed to feel, we're allowed to focus on that feeling and kind of let it bloom and become aware of it. And so we begin to feel the itch is there so we can explore that itch because it is existing in this little space that we're focusing on. And then as you begin to go deeper and deeper into that, then the power of perception can penetrate from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind, what the Buddha calls the depth layer of the mind, the deep mind, this very, very deep mind where our deepest sankharas, our deepest behavioral patterns and habit patterns exist, which are constantly forming the fabric and direction of our life, but which we are unaware of, unaware of. And until we can meet those um, patterns head on, we have no hope to change the direction. We can be thinking only consciously, consciously, consciously when the vast power of a giant freight train is just driving the direction of our life forward and we're a passenger essentially saying, where are we going? I don't know if I like this. Where are we going? I don't know if we like this. You know, kind of change direction, but we can't change direction until we, until we redirect the, the freight train, until we wake up and realize I'm on a freight train going in the direction I don't really know about. Make sense? So actually it's wonderful that you felt that Actually, wonderful because uh, the Buddha says, uh, "Vedana samosaana sabedhamma. So we have the idea that the vedana, the body sensations, as I said, as I've said already, the vedana, the body sensations, they're related to dhamma. In this context, dhamma means the context, the contents of the mind or the thoughts we're thinking—repetitive thoughts, conscious thoughts, unconscious thoughts—the total being of thoughts that we carry is sometimes is always going to be manifesting as one sensation or another. So we think. We're becoming neutral to pain. We think we're, you know, becoming neutral to some itch or another, but it's not only that. It's some vedana, some body sensation, which has arisen. We become neutral to it. And then then that also has some impact in our lives. We become neutral to some other annoying circumstance in our life. The first time I exited this 10-day course, I suddenly was not disturbed by some things which I was disturbed from before. Also, the more yoga I'm practicing, then also this is a big difference, my first trip back from India, uh, there was, there were, when I came back to the U S there were so many things that suddenly I wasn't bothered by that I had been extremely bothered by before some little things, you know, that had shifted even just from the, you know, the more we remove the ego, the, the, the less attachment and aversion that we, you know, end up having and become, you know, freer. So the other important thing is that it's up to you. The reason why I didn't give so much instruction is that this starts to need to be your choice. You have to fight out your own battles in there. Your mind is going, I don't know where. I'm not inside of you. Only you know. Your mind is going somewhere. My mind is also going somewhere. Maybe from your perspective, looking at me, you think, oh, she's looking so peaceful up there, like a statue, you know, some statue up there, you know, she's not moving. But I can tell you for sure, I'm having some difficulty as well. You know, I had lots of pain today, some weird pain. The feet have fallen asleep. Then the, my right shin bone suddenly felt like a metal rod. I don't know why that happened, you know, and then that was there for some time and then it went away. So I want to share two things about that. First of all, from the outside, you can't tell what's going on on the inside. Only you know. So it's your practice. Very important. Yoga too is your practice. We cannot attach ourselves to someone else and wait for someone else to say, oh, do like this. Oh, do like that. Oh, do like this. Oh, do like that. It is your practice. If you don't work it out for yourself, we, can all, we end up giving our power away, number one. And, and then because of this is dangerous, because only you can walk the path. Because only you know what's inside of your mind. You can get little advice, little help from here and think of this as someone shining a flashlight so that you can continue walking down the path. But nevertheless, you must put that one foot in front of the other. And this is important. So the way to think about this is nobody can work out your liberation except you. This is also the practice. Nobody can decide to do the practice but you. When the work is mental, this is very much, this is very, 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 intimately related with how you approach the methodology of your yoga practice how you work with your mind in meditation is a mirror for how you work with your body in your yoga practice so how do you work with the mind right you must work that out are you strict or are you too loose are you uh too strict? You know, sometimes we get too strict, we become too strict. We kind of we veer onto we're either too loose or too strict, but we don't get that sweet spot in the middle. So this is why some of the the, the notion of how to work out the path is often described as a balance between the two wings of um compassion and wisdom. So if we have too much, the, the extreme of wisdom is sternness. So we become too stern, too disciplined, too intense. If we have too much um compassion, we don't have the discipline. We don't get on the path. But you have to find that mix for yourself. There will be times when you need more compassion and there'll be times when you need more wisdom, more discipline, more direction. Make sense? Okay. Now let's talk about, um, again, why you need to work out, why you, we're still on the first, first concept, why you need to work out this path for yourself and how this is related to the asana practice. If you are not inquisitive about what patterns exist within yourself, and you're not willing to show up and kind of dig in there and be like, what's in there? What's in there? How do I react to that? How do? Oh, that's interesting. When the itch comes up, this is what I do. Like what Mary Helen shared, this it came up and I got very angry. So then she's aware of that. That's awesome. That's the work, right? It's there. Here it is. I'm itching. I'm angry. I hate this, right? Awesome. We can't think. Now anger has arisen. I've done something wrong. We can't think, now anxiety is present. I've done something wrong. Oh, no, no. This is the complete opposite. How are you going to work with your anger when it arose? How are you going to work with your anxiety when it's there? This is the mirror image from here you are in your practice. My hip is tight. How are you going to work with your hip that's tight? Because I'll tell you, that generates anger just the same. You know, how are you going to work with your jump through that doesn't want to happen? It generates anger, just the same. How are you going to work through another time when this didn't happen or this injury or that pain or this? How are you going to work with that? It's the mirror image of how you're going to work with these annoying things that come up in the meditation. Make sense? Sure. Jacinta, you got a question? Uh, I uh, on that because, like, today we so much smarter than the last time. Too so tired. So, like, I, I have experienced in the last couple of days with meditation that anger mm-hmm. or frustration. But right now, I'm just tired. Yeah. So I, was, I was, I was like, suddenly like my like this. <laughs> was actually falling asleep. Yeah. So it's, it. I don't know. I think it, it was interesting to see how my body reacted to that sleepy sensations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for everyone joining at home, Jacinta says she was very sleepy this time. She has had anger before, but this time only desire for napping. <laughs> so, first of all, good observation. And that's actually one of the observations I was waiting for when I said before, what's the difference between this meditation and the other one? So, a couple of things were different. Number one, this is the end of the course. You're tired. Also, you got the full primary series yesterday. So, you're tired today. Definitely. Now, you did it again this morning. Now, of course, you're tired. You have to take some weeks before that integrates, right? So, now when we think about uh, the idea of um, tiredness, what's the difference? The other class has been at nine in the morning. This class in the afternoon. What has happened? Usually right before one o'clock. What has happened? Lunch. Lunch has happened. Now we have eaten lunch. What happens after lunch? Everybody becomes tired. So we ingest a lot of food and then we go to sit. And then what happens? I have snored through some meditations in my life. I have done something very, very, uh, not, I didn't realize I could sleep in this position. I was very tired once, and I have done something like this and placed my head down. So now I've woken up one hour later, and, you know, and so in the the Vipassana tradition, they begin and end with the chanting. So I've heard the chanting, and I cannot, I just rest my head during the chanting. That's what I will do, and I have done like this. Then again, I heard the chanting. Oh, what happened? Oh, it's time to get up and I slept the whole time. This happens sometimes. So I was expecting someone to say the time was different. Me personally, I experienced a big difference in the quality of my mind in the morning, in the midday, and in the evening. So this is interesting, huh? When is the perfect opportunity for the deepest type of spiritual practice? What do we say in, in, the, in the yoga tradition? What do we say? As early as possible, right? Right. Why do we do this? Just to terrorize ourselves. There's an element of tapas in this. Because sure, sure, if you sleep forever and then practice whenever, then this isn't tapas. But the idea of getting up early in the morning is twofold. Number one, you didn't eat, so you don't have the digestive tiredness. So this is good, even though maybe you're hungry. But then it's maybe a little better. Number two... You want to do your spiritual practice before the mind gets stimulated, right? So you want to have that like first thing in the morning as much as possible, right? Second, so so third, um, the idea is that we're we're also trying to do the spiritual practice at a time when the world has not come on because we are sensitive to the energy, the energy exchange of the world. Emails start coming in, life starts happening, horns start honking, people going here, going there, driving here, driving there, doing this, doing that, doing their jobs, making construction, all this sort of stuff. This is happening. Life is happening you're impacted by that the more you interact with people the more disturbed your mind will be so it's harder to get a deep practice like a deep sort of introspective practice at the same time we shouldn't avoid practicing in times like like in the middle of the day because this also gives us another opportunity to experience other things end of the day this can often be very very disturbed now you've had the whole day of interactions also if you've had some difficulty during the day in the end of the night And you sit there and you try to sit, do any sort of spiritual practice. You just confront, confront, you know. But usually what I like to say is to sit right before bed, at least you work it out on the cushion rather than staring at the ceiling. I'd personally rather work it out here and go in the bed and sleep than have a really bad day and lie in the bed, stare at the ceiling and think about like, oh, this thing that went wrong and that thing that went wrong. Rather just sit there, try to become as as neutral to it as possible, Right. Now, one other thing about what you're saying, it's nothing wrong with feeling sleepiness, right? So if you felt the sleepiness, you just observe sleepiness and then you wake up for a moment. And what can help is to open the eyes and just kind of look out, look at the light, close the eyes again. Personally, when I'm very, very sleepy, something that I use is I turn on all the lights really, really brightly. Then this helped me not fall asleep because then the lights are very bright. So I'm like, okay, I'm very awake right now. If I'm sleepy, you put me in the dimly lit room, I'm like, oh, Perfect nap time. This is wonderful. Thank you. I mean, crawl under the covers. I can curl up on this cushion like a dog and go to sleep. It's not a problem, right? So for me in the sleepy thing, if you have, if you experience that and you're trying to sit like in the morning and it's very sleepy, turn on all the lights, wake you up. You know, some people take a little coffee, but I think the coffee before meditation, then you just sit there like, you know, maybe, maybe it's too much awake, you know, and I'm trying to blast off. Um, they say that the, there's really no solution for sleepiness other than to just like rest a little bit. So sometimes you do just need a little nap or something like that. That's okay, too. Um, other The flip side about the sleepiness, however, is they say that sleepiness arises when you have been fully rested so you have to ask yourself oh I'm fully rested I have been sleeping and sleeping and sleeping and sleeping and sleeping I haven't done anything like lots of new crazy asanas I haven't done anything like this but I'm still so much sleepy if that comes up then sleepiness is said to be related to um, unconsciousness or like unconscious obstacles that arise and we react with sleepiness right and so if this happens then we have to fight that battle then you have to put on a big fight. Then you have to do things like, you know, then you turn on all the lights. You can engage your muscles a little bit. You can stand up for a moment, sit down, but you're, you're fighting that unconsciousness. But it, that's only appropriate if you have been well slept. Make sense? And if there's no like extenuating circumstances, you know what I mean? Like yoga. Yoga is an extenuating circumstance. We did a lot of yoga in the morning. If you're really sleepy, it's probably yoga. If I couldn't use a little rest, you're at the end of a long course. It's been a month. You're probably asleep. That's all like normal. But if you meet that obstacle in like in another time when you feel that you've been really, really well slept, then this is this is something to 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 be kind of stern about and like enlist strong determination and get up and turn on the lights, open the eyes and fight that battle a little bit, like kind of you know be intense with yourself a little. Makes sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I can give you I can give you a little a little um a task that will help you with that. The next time you sit, you must be like hypervigilant and you have to look for, um, the moment before you start to be sleepy, the moment before you start to slouch, become hyper vigilant of that and be like on alert. So you have to put yourself on alert. Okay. Here I am. Like you're stalking the predator. You know, you're the predator stalking the prey, right? So you're there. Okay. Here I am. I'm going to catch you. I'm catching you. What is that moment? What is that moment? What is that moment? What is that moment? Wait for the moment. Wait for the moment. Be hypervigilant, 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 hypervigilant. And you're going to find something. Nine times out of 10, maybe even more than that, maybe 99% out of the time, there's pain. And then we have an unconscious reaction to pain or discomfort. Why do we suddenly find ourselves slouching? Because if we hadn't have slouched in that moment, there would have pain that would have overwhelmed us, would have arisen. So our unconscious mind feels the pain before our conscious mind is aware of it, triggers the sleep response, the slouch response, avoids the discomfort of holding the position. We come to, we don't realize we had that reaction. We wake up, we realize we're slouching. We have no choice but to straighten up. But we feel defeated because we feel that, now I have slouched, I don't know. And I don't know about you, but this sounds to me very much like a life situation right you don't realize it but you did the same thing that leaded to the same suffering and you only wake up to realize it once the pattern was already completed you make a commitment now I don't do it again but then suddenly it happens again and you only realize that you did the very same thing that you said you wouldn't do only until you re- you know it happened and you woke up to the reality of it and then again you said I will not do that again and then it happens again and again it's like life you know so i had same thing happen to me and of course the same thing i would sit there and first i blamed the dim lighting i was like is this dim lighting you know then i would go and i went in my room i turned on all the lights and i was still falling asleep and i'm like okay hey, definitely it's nothing to do with the lighting and then um so, and then and then i said let me try outside i'm gonna sit outside when i can because we need like the nature and it wasn't i was also I was, everywhere I when i was just sleeping but as soon as i started to meditate as soon as i opened my eyes i was awake open my eyes i'm awake. I want to talk to the teacher. I said, excuse me, I have this thing that's coming up. It never happened for me. Uh, every time I close my eyes, I immediately went to sleep and I find myself slouching. And I don't realize that I'm slouching, but I suddenly woke up to myself slouching. And then the teacher, he said to me, if you're in a lot of pain, maybe you can just lie down for a little bit. And I was like, excuse me? I didn't say I was in pain, mister, you know, I said I was slouching and what can I do about the slouching? This guy's nuts. He thinks I'm in pain. I'm not in pain. I didn't say anything of pain. I only said I'm slouching. Give me some solution about slouching. Don't give me a solution about pain. I didn't ask about pain. I didn't say that. I was like, okay, thank you. You know, because you try to be respectful. So I was just like, thank you very much, let me leave, and I left, and I was like, this guy's nuts, you know, and then you keep it privately, you know what I mean, it's better you just, to, you know, so then I thought, but then I thought about, it and I thought, this guy thinks I'm in pain, why does he think I'm in pain, let me go and see if I'm in pain, so then I thought, okay, And I assigned myself that same task, I'm going to look for the moment of pain, the moment before the slouch, the moment before all this happens, and then I, and then I, um, I actually, uh, I devised the plan, to um make the cushion less comfortable so i could like try to be more present because uh, so i sat on the floor with nothing and i felt like this would help keep me awake the floor is very hard it's you know like sharp pointy sensations of the sitting bones pushing into the wood floor so then in that in that sit i i did i I, became, I was like super hypervigilant i squeezed mulabandha really strongly and just didn't let myself fall asleep and i found it that moment of pain i found it and i was like this dude he was right I was in pain just I was unconscious of my pain and and then I sat with the pain and the pain was was really horrible physical pain yeah 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 so that's what you've been avoiding so then we sit with the chainsaw Then we sit with the pan and I had it in the right hip. So for me, it was a right sitting bone that started to radiate upwards and it was just this, like, it felt like you had put it on, you know, like a barbecue. So it was just like my right sitting bone was just burning. And then it radiated up to the ilium and just turned into this like fiery explosion, you know, experience. It would just sit there like, um, you know, for like an hour and then you get up and then it's gone. Yeah. And I realized something in that course. It was like, this is the Buddha's teaching. Suffering is. There's a way out of suffering. What is the way out of suffering? Accept your pain. And it's like this basic teaching of there is great liberation that comes from just sitting with all your pain rather than running from it, rather than, you know, pretending it doesn't exist, rather than blaming someone else for it, rather than finding an escape, you know, route for it or becoming an escape artist and doing this or doing that. It's just, okay, this is me. This is my pain. My chainsaw. I'm going to sit with my chainsaw. My fire, right? So it's a sort of like what they say is that, you know, in this teaching is that, you know, if you run from the devils and run towards the angels, then you'll be going back and forth like this, or like run from the pain, run towards the pleasure. Then it's this ping pong. But if you find the middle path and pain arises and you observe and you sit with it, it's very difficult, this part, right? Very difficult. But then you expand your potential and then you expand the potential to be at peace with that pain and you become a happier person. You don't need that pain to go away to be okay with what is. You know? When I say we can spend our whole life trying to eradicate the sources of pain, but it's a losing battle because what happens? First of all, age. Right? So the human body is temporary, you know? And um, like any temporary vehicle, the older it gets, the more little things pop up here and there, you know? And it's sort of it's, eventually it's not going to be here anymore. And eventually we have to lose the body. So this itself is a necessary fact of life. Um, so this is, we're not going to win that battle, you know? Um, the second thing is even if you eradicate one source of suffering, then what else happens? There are an infinite sources of suffering on the planet, right? So you think, oh, please rain, rain, go away. I want sunshine. I want only sun, sun, sun. Then what happens? You get so much sun. Oh, too much sun. Now I have sunburn. I have to go inside in the darkness. Only cool off. Then a cool, cool, make it cool. Oh, it's so cold. Please turn off the cool. I want only hot, hot, hot. Oh, it's too hot. No, I'm sweating. It's like human beings, we're so fickle. We're like, okay, I'm comfortable at... Somewhere between 73 and 76 degrees with only a little bit of humidity. If it gets too humid, then I don't like it. And I like my water exactly at this temperature. But if it's this temperature, oh, I can't drink that. No, we get very particular. We're so fickle, you know. If this little narrow window, how am I ever going to be happy? We have to expand the window. Okay, I'm comfortable. I can be okay here. Yes, maybe the body is not to my liking, but I am okay because I am not the body. Oh, this situation is not to my liking, but I am okay because I'm not the situation it's hard work, you know, after 20 years or so, it gets start to pay off, you know? so what is your uh, takeaway, uh, homework assignment, everyone, what do you got for the homework assignment, minimum five minutes a day, okay, if you get inspired, you can increase just like one minute a week, get to 10 minutes, stay at 10 minutes for some months, then again, you can increase one minute, one minute, then you can do 15 minutes, this kind of thing, but you can also just stay at five minutes for a long time, no problem, Make sense? Five minutes long time, no problem. Totally good. Okay, if you get really inspired with sitting, here's the big homework assignment. Sign up for the 10-day course. Take 10 days out. Go to meditation jail. Okay? <laughs> I'm joking with you, but it is kind of like meditation jail. Why? Because you they take your they take all they take everything from you and they put it in a box. You can't, even if you drive, they give the keys. So you hand your keys in. You know, you hand your ID, your phone, your computer, anything like that. You're not allowed to bring any outside food, nothing like that. It's everything that could give you potential pleasure or escape. You hand it in, they put it in a box, they lock it. You can't get it out until the end. A little like meditation jail, right? On the day one, you hate me for mentioning that you should go, right? Then eventually, on the day three, you still hate me. By the end, you'll be like, this was really good. Really hard, but really good. Thank you for suggesting this. You know, I never met anybody that didn't enjoy the course, who completed the course. Only person I met who didn't like it. Then this person, they left early. Then they wanted to go back but couldn't make it back. I never met anybody who didn't enjoy it. At first you think, what am I going to do? No phone, no reading, no writing. What am I going to do? There's also no reading, no writing. If I didn't mention that, there's no talking, no talking. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? You're not going to say anything. That's the whole point, right? So think about it. All right. yeah, I feel like uh, if I can give you one more encouragement to do that, I feel you can learn. You know, we think about think about how old you are, right? How much wisdom you carry from the years of your life. So just think about that for a moment. This is how old I am, right? How old that is. Each year, you go through some experience, you learn something. Yes? Now you have carried that wisdom with you where you are now, right? Now, in the courses, I genuinely feel like this. You take a 10-day course, one day equals one year, of life learning you think about that you can be 10 years wiser but only 10 days older now that is the closest you're gonna get to beating right the clock of life in the body all right so we can think how many years of wisdom can i accumulate in this body right, while not living all those years, you know, imagine 100 years of wisdom, if you bring in now, but you're still the same age, then now life is improving, this is good, you don't need to wait to die and be reborn to get those 100 years of wisdom, you can get it just, you know, 100 days, no problem, don't think about sitting 100 days, just 10 days is fine, right, even one day is is useful, but you have to, you have to do, you know, put in the, the they say that the, the 10 days is the minimum it takes to kind of get the pattern established so I can just really encourage everyone so you go to dhamma.org and then you find the center that's closest to where you live and then I would recommend you do that you know people are like oh should I go to this center or that center doesn't matter you can do the course in your living room it'll be fine you know but you can because you know, the people are there so it's it's a so uh, where oh, where, oh, where do you live Costa Rica I think there's a center in Costa Rica yeah so even you can do it in Costa Rica so we can, I don't know their schedule, what they're doing, but the, so we can just check that out there. The closest center in South Florida is in, in Southern Georgia. It's on like the one hour north of the Florida border in Southern Georgia. And it's super nice. Um, there's one in Texas. There's um, one in Chicago, outside of Chicago, sorry, not in Chicago, but like three hours from Chicago. There's one in, in a Cal- bunch in California, one near Joshua Tree. Um, there's a bunch all over the world. There's a bunch in India. There's, the, there's what's called Damagiri, which is like the, the big Vipassana Center um, in, in India. And uh, there's one in Shelburne Falls in Massachusetts, which was the first Vipassana Center established outside of India, which is pretty cool. So you are not allowed to bring the food, but if you have any medical reasons that you need particular food, you can let them know. So if there are any medical issues, like sometimes you see pregnant women there and then the pregnant women come and then they get all sort of special things and you look at them like, (laughs) excuse me, Uh, what she is having looks very nice. Where did that come from? But then you're also thinking, I am not pregnant. Why do I need the special food? I don't need any, did you look at it longingly like, hmm, that is very nice. Even that she has a special refrigerator that she seems to go into and get things that I don't know anything about. Hmm. But then also, I mean, to sit pregnant, that's got to be its own hell, you know? Right? I <laughs> mean, <laughs> yeah. So if you were worried about that, then you would just go and you would write that on the form. And then if you, if then, you know, you could, could probably, if you needed to bring something particular, like supplements or anything like that, then you could probably, you just get the permission to do that. and That would be fine. Sure. One more question. Oh, such a good question. Um, so my first Vipassana I did uh, in Nepal after I had been in uh, India for six months and I had done so much of yoga and my practice was so long. I went into the 10-day course and I said, you shall not do any asana. And I said, thank you so much. <laughs> this is such good news. Thank you so much. And I just sat there and it was so nice. I felt my body has healed from six months of catching my knees every day. It was so nice. And I was there. I said, I don't do anything. My friend, who was she had just learned like half primary series from Patabi Joyce. She'd done the course with me and she kept on... We actually they put us in the same room, uh, which we were friends, which I was like, this is, this isn't good. We were like, we were very much like, we were both strict. We were like, we will not talk to each other. We we're like, yes, we do not talk. We do not make eye contact. So the end of the day, but she said like every day she would look at me because she wanted to do some asanas and she would be like, yeah, if she does asanas, I will too. <laughs> and then I was just like, they. T- I was super tired. I was like really tired, so I was just like, I'm not doing any asanas. It was fabulous. I start. did practice immediately after. As soon as they let us out, I the full primary series, and I was re- really ready to practice. My um, my second course, um, I got. I did in um, uh, Switzerland, uh, which sounds really nice. It was in a like a an old Swiss uh, like ski chalet house. It was beautiful. The place was beautiful, but. They peck you in there. Um, so like the, the, I only had, I had a bed in a room with three other women and like just had the bed that was like, we had a shared dresser. So we had no place for asanas. And I really wanted to stretch at that time. And I was just like, well, wow, I really, really want to. Um, the third course I did, I had a private room and I was like, ah, nobody needs to know what goes on during the break. <laughs> so I hatched this idea. I was going to do some asanas and then I did some asanas. And then, you know, I talked to the teachers and I said, look, I'm doing some asanas during the breaks. And they were like, look, what you do in the breaks, as long as it's not in public is your own business, but don't do the asanas during the sit- sit- sitting time when we're there to sit, take only sitting. So, so why can't we do asanas? And they said to me that, that although they think that asana practice is very compatible with the practice that if you start taking asanas in public during the meditation course it's a huge distraction for everyone else it's like what what the what the average yoga practitioner thinks of as like a light stretch to so someone who doesn't do any asanas looks like they're contortionists so you know like you take a simple standing forward bend and then like you know somebody looks over and is like wow look at that you know and they may like think they need to try and then they're injured for the rest of the course because they like looked at you doing a forward bend and then they like hobble and it's like you know So so, this essentially is don't distract the other students. And the idea is don't do anything that should be distracting for the other students. This is the whole vow of noble silence. But and then if you have if you have a private room, you've got nothing better to do. You ate your dinner, or you ate your, if you're lucky, if you ate your breakfast or lunch, and then you feel like I have energy, I I want to do asanas, go ahead and do asanas. You know? I, I have found though that there's a state of mind in which asana is an impediment. And it's useful to practice non-attachment to that. And that these very rarefied, very subtle states of meditation can only be attained when we are less um, like physical. And there's something very physical about the asana, like it puts, like you know, pumps blood into the muscle. And so there's, um, there's some very rarefied, refined uh, kind of states of mind, which I have found are only attained when we refrain from asana. But to get to that state, I feel asana is a great bridge to get us there. And then you can continue to use that. And then at some moment, you know, like in that course where I had the private room, like I woke up one morning and I was just like, no asana today. And then I didn't do any asana that day. And it was a really amazing, deep, powerful day of sitting. There's some really just like almost um, intangible, like ineffable states, things I can't really even describe in words. So we like the asana. And then... We let it go. Personally, I think that's wonderful. Permission not to practice? You know, I want I to practice. I'm an ashtangi. I practice six days a week. Now you tell me you're being so good by not practicing. Oh, thank you. Do I get a cookie also? On the last day, you do get cookies. Usually. Hmm, Paige, you got a question? How long are you sitting? <laughs> <laughs> that's everybody's questions. My, I'm trying to get my mom to sit the course as I have this conversation with her over and over again. You know, uh, it's it's not a pleasurable schedule. Uh, they wake you up at four in the morning. And then at four in the morning, you have half an hour to brush your teeth and get ready. And then you sit from 4.30 to 6.30. And at 6.30 to 8, they feed you breakfast. Breakfast is a wonderful experience in Vipassana. It's wonderful. It's so nice. And then you have little time to go for a little walk outside or do laundry or take asanas in your room if you have a private, quiet space. And then you sit um, pretty much from 8 until 11 with little breaks. Then from 11 to 1, they feed you lunch, which is also very entertaining. And then you again have time to do laundry, go for walks, or if you have private room, you take some asanas or stretches. And then from 1 until, I think it's 5.30, then again you're sitting. And then from 5.30 to 6.30, or maybe it's 5 to 6, something like that, you have a tea break and a snack. And if you're a new student, you get a snack. And if you're an old student, you get tea. <laughs> Yep. And then again, you take sitting, I think from like six to seven, and then there's a discourse or a talk from, I think it's like seven to eight 30. And then at like nine, nine thirty, then the lights are out and then you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Do they like build you up? Like- you have the instructions. The first couple of days, there's more talking than I've been doing in these last two sits. There's more talking. You're if you made it through this one, you're already you're you're good to go. Okay. There's more talking, more instructions. So like Definitely. To... No, there's a whole like introduction. They talk to you about the dhamma. They talk to you about the Buddha. They have you. They explain to you. They also like explain to you very intensively. Like you will make a commitment to stay here for these ten days, and this is what's going on. And they like get you. You know, they sign you up because you were handing in your stuff. You know, they give you the this this little like this little pamphlet that you read so you know what you're doing it's essentially like welcome to meditation jail you know you you agree to get up in the morning and do what we say and we'll eat what we feed you and you don't read anything and you don't talk to anyone and you can't call your parents to save you and no one's coming for you and it's over 10 days uh you do what we say okay (laughs) and you're like okay thanks Mm -hmm. yeah i have a good, good question take five minutes of sitting for six months to a year and then you know if you're if you're called to then if you feel like if, if there's something in you so two things like do that five minutes of sitting like t- start to cultivate a daily sitting practice of minimum five minutes six months to a year this will be a good foundation second if there's something in you that says i want to do it then you're ready to do it i know people that haven't done any asana and then they've done one of, they do these courses they do do any asanas and then there's people that do asanas for many years and they're like this is just not for me like I'm not ready for it. I'm scared of it. I'm not ready for it. I'm not called to do it. You know, I actually try to push those people to do it, but you know, you, the, the, the five minutes of sitting is a nice bridge. Make sense. Yeah. Like I'm trying to bring my mom to the course. She's, she's only done asanas. Like when I've been like, mom, do this asana. And then she's like, okay, is it good? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Do you want to do that every day? She's like, really? Every day? <laughs> I'll do it when you're here, sweetheart. <laughs> I'm like, all righty, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I can really, I, I, I again, the impetus comes from you to do it. You should do it. There are people there that they don't. They can't sit on the floor. They sit in chairs because they don't take any. They don't do any asanas. They do like just walking as exercise, and then they do the courses. So you don't need to have necessarily asana. But something in you says you want to do it. Then that's when it's time for you to do it. If you're not there yet, then just work your way up. When I did my first course, I had a sitting practice already, but I had no instruction. I started sitting because an ex-boyfriend of mine was like, "You should sit," and I was like, "Why do you say that?" He was like. (laughs) <laughs> and you know i was like i can't sit i'm crazy inside like i'm terrified of what's in there and he's like yeah it's what you know that's kind of like yeah i mean just try it what do you think we could sit together for a little bit and i was just like i kind of hate you but okay like let's let's try let's 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 sit so he was like just so then he like tried to like teach me meditation i was just really not a good student which i think is kind of good in a relationship you know um I was really kind of quite a terrible student with him and 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 then he's like, look, just try to sit on your own for five minutes a day. And he did give me an instruction. I started uh, studying a lot of uh, like Buddhism and and I read a, like a ton of books of Buddhism. And then I had a friend of mine who took vows as a, a Tibetan monk. And then he shared with me some, some Tibetan practices and... So the Tibetan practice of what's called shamatha is the same as anapanasati. Shamatha is just—is it what they call calming the mind meditation? And it's it's, it's anapanasati. It's, this, it's, you know, it's the teaching of the Buddha, just in a slightly different language, with slight cultural difference. But it's the same teaching. You know, it's like you know, it's like Jesus in Europe versus Jesus in America. It's still Jesus. You know, it's like you know, still the same dude. Uh, you know, uh, with little cultural extras. Um, so anyhow, um, then when I was sitting, I had been, I had worked myself up to 45 minutes a day, but with no instruction. So I had only like half instruction from my ex-boyfriend who was doing this weird meditation. And then my, my Tibetan friend, um, who was doing like intensive Tibetan practices, who just was like, just do shamatha. This is good for you. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. Just sit there and try to focus on your breath, you know? And, um, uh, you know, and then from, like, the Zen tradition, which is kind of where my grandfather is from and from Japan, then, like, the Zen tradition is totally different. So I was also trying some of that, you know, I just had, didn't have a teacher. So, like, the Zen tradition is just, like, just sit there. Like, literally just sit there. I don't know, like, wait for enlightenment to hit you like lightning. And, the, you know, after I took Vipassana, I was like, I really like having a teacher and a method. I'm really, like, into methods. You know, like, method methodology is very good for me. So it's been very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Super. was there one other question did I see someone another shirt sure. yeah stay stay lower actually see if you can find yourself at the entrance of the nostrils and in the area of the upper lip and when I say the area of the nose we're looking more inside the nostrils we're trying to feel the breath there's no breath up here if you feel that you're falling you observe I feel that I'm falling and stay with the breath It may last for some time. You may find it pleasurable. You may find it non-pleasurable, but you just observe. Even you can observe that. I feel that I'm falling. I find it pleasurable. I go back to the breath, just like that. You would do that with anything. So some people feel like, now I'm levitating. I have had that experience once. I thought I was levitating. I thought I'm flying, flying. How wonderful. I became so attached to this sensation. And I thought, I should check to see what's going on, you know? (laughs) I need some empirical evidence. What's happening? So I've opened my eyes. And I was not levitating. I was just sitting there, you know? I felt extremely dumb at this moment. Oh, I'm just sitting here. How dumb. I thought I was floating, floating, floating. And I'm just sitting here. Oh, okay. Go back to the breath, you Kino. We just go in. The breath goes in. Now the breath goes out. You're not levitating. Let's calm down. Okay? You know? So all sorts of things like that. Once I thought I had vanished, you know? <laughs> I feel like now I've vanished. Completely gone. I'm evaporating. Now I'm vanished. So then I thought, vanished. No more. The physical body is finished. And then I thought, I thought, oh, cool. Maybe I'm in samadhi. You know, and then I open my eyes, I'm like, darn it, I'm still here. <laughs> Go back to the breath. I gotta breathe in, I'm breathing out. Even this is something that may happen to you. Maybe this is the last thing before we, have, we, we end, we're almost at the time. Um, is sometimes the breath can appear to stop. So you can be focusing on your breath, breath going in, breath going out, breath going in, and then it stops. And it usually is associated, this is what Patanjali usually calls the fourth type of pranayama, where you're neither breathing in nor breathing out, and the breath is not, is not in a kumbhaka state, where your breath is not retained. So this is what's called, again, it's not a retention, but it's a suspension of the breath, and it's something you can't do, but you can fall into. And it's associated with that state of mind called the turiya state, or the state beyond our thoughts, right? So the state of like yogic consciousness. So we have, it's obviously a very refined state of awareness and it'll, it'll float like a cloud for a moment. You know, you're neither breathing in nor breathing out, but you feel the space between the breaths for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Then you become aware. Crap. I'm not breathing. Have I died? Am I dead? I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. Please let me breathe and then it's gone then you're in the hole then the feet are asleep and then the back is stabbing you and then suddenly like the sounds come on and somebody farted and you're like damn you know why did I what was wrong with the space between the breaths that was so nice you know make sense good let's do the closing prayer then I'll let you out Vastiprajabhyaha Vastiprajabhyaha Paripadayantam Paripadayantam Nyayena margena Nyayena margena, margena. Mahim Mahishaha Mahim Mahishaha Go Brahmanebhyaha Shuba must Nityam, Shuba must Nityam, Lokaha Samastaha, Lokaha Samastaha, Sukino Bhavantu, Sukino Bhavantu. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep sitting. Remember tomorrow, 9 a.m., come before 9 a.m., be on your mats, ready to start at 9. Okay? Finish with a bang, not with a whimper. (laughs) All right? Good. Good. Okay. Oh, hi, Prakriti. Hi. How are you doing? Did I'm i miss doing good. Good, nice. It was so nice today. Thank you, Kino. Welcome. Very welcome. Did I miss anyone's questions in the chat? Let's see, oh, Lizzie says that she's the-, the <laughs> Lizzie, have you done a course? I hope- Yes? Nice. Yeah, yeah. like, we a, a humor. Nice. Zenia, if you feel pain, is it recommended not to move? Yes, Zenia, if you're still here, you still here? Yes, you're still here. Yes, if you feel pain, try not to move until the, until the sitting is over. Okay? Good. Thanks for joining everyone. We put this on at the last little moment. So we got to join. We're doing this part of our, a part of our course. So this, our course, our one month course ends tomorrow and we've been building up these longer sits. So there was a lot of silence today. So it was very, very difficult. Yeah. So nice to see everyone. And remember Yoga Drills, if you're in for Yoga Drills next week, it's Tuesday at one o'clock and then I'm flying to the other continent on Wednesday. And I'll still see you from the other continent. I see you've got some fans from the other side of the Atlantic, what we call the other side of the pond. Right? (laughs) Cool. All right, everyone. Lots of love. See you later. You're coming for primary series tomorrow. I'll see you then too. Bye. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.